In this episode of the Mind's Eye Podcast, we're going to continue our conversation about religious post-traumatic stress disorder and what you can do to overcome it and also prevent it. Stay tuned. Greetings one and all and welcome to the Mind's Eye Podcast. I'm Paul James Caden and today on the show we are going to be continuing our conversation about religious post-traumatic stress disorder. In the last podcast, we talked about what might cause one to start going through or experience religious post-traumatic stress disorder. We talked about uh, a little bit what it might feel like, the symptoms, what one might expect if they find themselves in this particular situation. So in this show, we are going to talk about things that the individual can do to get through that time of stress and anxiety a lot more quickly, a lot more easily, and even how to prevent yourself from getting post-traumatic stress disorder when it comes to religion. Maybe you're thinking of leaving a religion you've been in for a long time. Maybe you're thinking about getting away from a certain religious movement or out from under the influence of a certain teacher or a guru that you've been with for a long time. And you're feeling that anxiety. You're feeling that nervousness. You're thinking about breaking away, but you have that fear. And you know that that fear and that worry and that self-condemnation is only going to get worse once you make that move, because you're questioning, is it the right thing to do? Am I damning myself by leaving this group, this movement, this person? So we're going to talk about things you can do to soften the blow and uh, hopefully prevent experiencing religious post-traumatic stress disorder at all. So to begin with, what are some of the things you can do to help yourself get through or get over religious post-traumatic stress disorder? And, and number one, and this is a great way to prevent it as well. So it's great medicine if you're going through this disorder, this issue, and it's also uh, a great preventative if you're thinking of leaving a particular movement or religion. And that is, seek out intelligent counter-arguments. See, when it comes to religion, the leaders, our leaders, the pastor, the priest, the teacher, the group, the organization, the denomination, they always tell us that they alone have the truth. And if you depart from them, you're being deceived. Christians will say, well, you're not worshiping God in the right way, or that group has another Jesus, not the real Jesus that we're preaching out of the uh, infallible word of Scripture. So they always have a way of making us feel like this is it. If you walk out 
from under the umbrella of these teachings, this group, and the divine favor and special protection that we have, you are doomed. You're going to hell. You're going to miss the rapture. Bad things are going to happen. You're going to be attacked by devils and demons. And now, I'll tell you firsthand, after many years of research, studying many different religions, comparative religion, going through religious post-traumatic stress disorder myself, and getting through it, the first thing you need to know ever, across the board, no matter who it is, no matter what religion you're sitting under, what teacher you're sitting under, this notion that they have the truth or more truth than anybody else is basically a lot of bunk. This idea of frightening the the, uh, parishioners or the students is an old trick. And it's a little bit of a psychological trick. Cults use it and don't think that other religions who are supposed to be non-cultic don't use these tricks because they do. Every religion, every cult, every group who claims special divine guidance, information, or truth, or more truth. They're using the old razzmatazz, as they used to say, on you to frighten you and to make you dependent on them. Or they're just suffering from some kind of delusion themselves and really believe that somehow they're special or their group is special. It might take a little digging, especially in today's world, but you can go online, you can look in places like YouTube, there are books, and don't be discouraged if the first information you find isn't great information and not convincing, because trust me, There are very intelligent, scholarly, educated, reasonable people out there who have done the research and will be able to give you the counter-arguments that will tell you these are the problems with this particular religion. These are the problems with this particular denomination. These are the problems with these particular... um, doctrines. And once you educate yourself, and that's another reason why you'll always hear me say on all of my shows, educate yourself. Don't take anybody's word for anything, whether it's religion, whether it's conspiracy theories, no matter what it is, educate yourself. Because education is a life changer It is empowering, it strengthens you, and it can be a lifesaver. So when you start peeling away the layers of, oh yes, I was taught this, or here's what my group taught, or my group teaches, but now here are the problems with it. 
and these problems are logical and reasonable. And you start to have those aha moments like, I never knew that before. It was never told to me quite in that way before. Now I see how these verses in the Bible were twisted or taken out of context or where these strange beliefs come from. It really does start to dissolve that myth, that illusion that this group or this teacher has the truth and you're doomed if you walk away from them. And I guarantee you, no matter what religion you belong to, that will be true across the board. So seek counter-arguments. Look for intelligent people who know what they're talking about, who can explain and dismantle these doctrines that keep people in fear and bondage and stuck in basically what we were talking about in the last show, like they're stuck in an abusive relationship that they're afraid to leave. Number two, and this is a short one, but you can also go online, whether it's social media or there's all kinds of chat rooms uh, that are online that where people ask questions, and find a group of people that are in the same boat you're in. Let's say you're a Baptist and you're thinking of leaving the Baptist church, but you're afraid because, you know, hellfire, brimstone, etc., etc. You can go online and find a group of people, you know, ex-Baptists, people who left the Baptist church. And you'll find people that have gone through the same thing that you're going through or were very much afraid to take that step to leave a certain religion or a teacher, uh, just as you might be. And these people will be able to give you wonderful advice, recommend books, recommend videos. They can be a great resource because many of them there will be just like you. They're, they're just starting this journey of breaking away. And you'll also find people who have been on this journey for years and they've broken away and they're through it. They're through the valley of shadows. And these people can really help you with advice, with clarification, things that they found out, recommending, again, books and videos and other resources. So find a group online that you can join, even if it's temporarily, where you can ask questions. And don't be afraid if some of these people, um, or most of them, uh, you find like, okay, now they're a bunch of atheists. You know, atheists, I'm not an atheist, but some of the information I found in my research when I started my journey of, you know, healing and breaking away from all of that stuff, some of the greatest and true research that I, that I was able to discover came through listening to atheists. Now, not all of it was good like anything else. Some of it was a lot of bunk, uh, but some of them had some really good source materials and books that they could uh, refer me to. 
and one thing led to another, led to another. So don't be afraid. You know, if you're thinking you're going to leave uh, a religious movement behind, but you want to maintain some kind of faith, you you know there's a higher power. I mean, that was me. Uh, don't be afraid like, oh my God, the atheists, they're of the devil. No, they're, they're just people that are on a different journey than you are. And sometimes people are a little too hurt or... or a little too angry to maintain any kind of faith, at least for a while. So they reject it all. But that doesn't mean that they haven't found good research that helped them break away and at least get beyond the night sweats and the shivers and the, you know, the, the post-traumatic stress. So, so don't be afraid of that if, if you find that a lot of groups you find where there might be a lot of atheists or mostly atheists. Take what they have to offer if they're willing to help. And, you know, you can always look for other groups where there's more spiritual people um, who have left behind religion or denominations. So finding a group is a really good resource. Number three, don't be afraid to talk to somebody. Talk to a friend. Talk to a spiritual counselor. Speak to, uh, you know, get some counseling, even if it's for a week or a couple of weeks. You know, there's a lot of people out there who uh, their fees are very low, and some of them, you know, will will talk to you, you know, for free if you're having financial issues for a certain amount of time to help you get a leg up. You know, don't make the mistake of thinking you have to do it all by yourself. You know, I did, and when I look back, I, I say to myself, you know, what was I thinking? There were people, there were resources around me where I could have gotten the help of others, but for some reason, I, I just didn't. You know, so don't make that mistake. A lot of us do it, you know, unless we hit a major wall. But don't be afraid to talk to somebody else. Other people can bring great clarity. So if you need counseling for a little while or, you know, there's a friend you can talk to, a friend that will help you research things, uh, by all means, do it. Uh, don't shun the help of others. Next, realize that no religion is flawless. It doesn't matter whether it's Judaism, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Islam, whether it's Buddhism, whether it's Hinduism, whatever it is, all religions have their issues. You know, man has certainly evolved from worshiping trees and the sun and the moon, at least most of us have, uh, than they believed in the many gods, the gods and the goddesses, the god of the mountains, the god of the trees, the god of the moon, the god of the sky, you know, and then finally he reached a place uh, where he became more monotheist, which does make more sense, at least to me, you know, that God wouldn't be a man on a throne somewhere, you know, waving his scepter, controlling the universe, you know, to me, there would be one God, and that God would be 
a universal spirit, a universal force, not impersonal as some people believe. I believe, uh, you know, this spirit, this force, this God is personal, it is self-aware, and it is the energy, the spirit, the thing from which all matter and all other realities have emanated. So I think monotheism in that sense makes a lot of sense. But still, with monotheism, man can't get away from this notion of the man in the sky. You know, with his scepter, his little crown on his head, on his throne of gold. You know, we can't get past this sky king uh, kind of mentality. And hopefully, one day we will. And we will have a greater understanding of what is God and a greater and higher understanding and interpretation of our scriptures and our holy books. But until then, realize that no religion is flawless. And this is something that you can research, something you can look into, and uh, this definitely takes a lot of the strain and pain out of the process. To realize that even in Judaism, uh, things were added to the scriptures. Their beliefs evolved over time. Just as, as in a, an example, uh, the Jews never believed in uh, such beings as like guardian angels was not a part of their um, religion until they came out of the Babylonian captivity. And I believe this is where they began to reshape their idea of God, you know, El or El Shaddai, because El was a, uh, a Babylonian God. So there, there, there was a progression of the Jewish religion. Now, I'm not an expert in that. Um, so again, this is something that one could research for themselves and begin to understand. Nobody is immune from writing things down and saying, oh, look, this is from God. There was a book, I, it was actually an e-book that I got in the Kindle store. I'm not sure if it was uh, available in paperback or not uh, years ago. It was called The Greatest Lie Ever Told, and it, and it, it wasn't a friendly book toward religion by any means. Uh, but the research, uh, a lot of the research was wonderful when it came to this type of thing. You know, talking about the timelines in like the Old Testament and what we actually know, um, you know, the Middle East was like, you know, when Israel was claiming that they were overthrowing these kingdoms and these powerful kings, you know, in certain years uh, that these these kingdoms didn't even exist yet. Uh, they were little villages or towns or people, you know, living in desert huts. You know, they weren't, you know, let alone having a king, you know. Uh, so we see, you know, the exaggeration process that a lot of religions can take. Same thing holds true for Christianity. You know, Christianity, there, there are books in the New Testament that we don't know who wrote them. Um, narratives have been changed, things have been added to it, 
the book of Hebrews, we really don't know who wrote it. It's attributed to Paul, but nobody really knows. Uh, the book of Second Peter is pretty much known to be uh, a forgery. Peter didn't write it. It was written by one of the uh, followers of Paul to prop up the works of uh, Paul, saying that Peter supported him because there was a lot of conflict historically between Paul, Peter, uh, and James. The Christian Bible also in the Old Testament changes words in the Old Testament or Jewish scriptures to make them fit the prophecies that Christ was supposed to have fulfilled, you know, through his virgin birth and through his life and crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, but the Christian translators actually changed words in the Jewish scriptures to make them fit their religion and their theology. And that is actually a fact. And this is why many people say, why are the Jews so stubborn? Why won't they accept Jesus? Don't they see it right there in their, their own scriptures? Well, no, they don't. It's not there in their scriptures. The wording is different. And they know that the Christian translators change those words on purpose. So again, this is this is across the board, you know, every religion has issues with its holy book or things that were put in its holy book, um, forgeries, add-ons, books taken out, books added in, you know, uh, the translation process uh, being very biased toward what the translator believed. And again, these are things you can uh, really research, and it takes a lot of sting out of the the fear of the hellfire and the brimstone and the, oh my God, am I going to damn myself or am I damning myself for leaving that particular religion or that particular group to know that men from the beginning of time and religion has played games with religion and played games with uh, what they call holy writ. And knowing and understanding that is really good medicine to help heal the mind, the heart, and the soul. If, you know, you're going through hell with, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder over religion or after leaving a religion, or, you, you know, you're feeling... You're on the edge of kind of like, you know, flipping your lid because you're, you know, you're thinking of leaving your religion. You know, these are very important things to know. Next, and I find this one to be one of the most important, and that's following your own heart. You know, when you sit down and you think about God and spirituality, what does your heart tell you? What do you feel? What do you really believe? What is it that religion has told you that, oh no, you can't believe that way. Oh, you can't do that. That's a sin. That's demonic. That's this. That's the other thing. You have to do it our way. A lot of people lose the pure religion of the heart that they were born with. Because you'll hear a lot of people say, and I've met countless 
over the years. And I'm one of those people myself, so I can say that as well. You'll hear people say, you know, when I was a kid, very young, you know, and I, as I grew up, I had these ideas about God, and I felt this closeness to God. I would talk to God, and it was so beautiful and so pure. And then later, my parents found a religion, or I joined a church, and they told me it was all bad, not to do that anymore, and it just seemed to disappear, go dormant. I lost the ability to do that. I was afraid to do that. You'll hear story after story of that kind of thing. Uh, again, I'm one of them. You know, I let religion uh, pretty much beat down uh, a high percentage of who I really was and what I really believed. Uh, thank God I always had that little spark, and that little spark was my guiding light that got me out and got me through a lot of it. But listen to your own heart. You know, if you haven't listened to your heart in a long time, go back and remember when you used to listen to your own heart, your own soul. When you had that beautiful, innocent, childlike connection with something higher in the universe. What did it feel like? What did you believe? What were your innocent and pure and personal thoughts about it before religion or a teacher or a group took that all away. Get back in touch with that through thinking about it, through meditation, through writing it down, journaling. I used to believe, you know, and just write it down as much as you can remember and start getting back to who you are and who you were. Some of us are older and we look back at our you know, innocent uh, ponderings of God. And we see where, wow, there was a real major kernel of truth in that. But we see that it's evolved now that we're older, that we understand more. And some of it is very surprising how much truth and how much just insight it contained from our younger selves. So getting back to that, is extremely important. You know, God leads us through our heart. That's why, you know, when I talk about Sufism and I say that I really enjoy, um, you know, the Sufi religion uh, because they, they talk about the way of the heart. You know, feeling God in your heart, communing with God within yourself, how he speaks to you, how he leads you, how... He makes you feel joy and peace and contentment. So get back to the way of the heart, your way of the heart. Not what somebody told you, not what somebody is telling you, but what you really believe inside. And that's something you can do after leaving a religion, or again, you can start doing that preparing yourself before you take that leap so you don't experience, you know, the anxiety and the stress and the, um, you know, all of that that, that some people go through. It, it can definitely lessen the blow very much. So while you're doing your research, 
while you're getting the counter arguments, while you're getting support, while you're educating yourself, take a little time each day to get back to your heart center. And last but not least, stay off the internet. <laughs> don't, don't go, don't go uh, browsing through web pages or browsing through uh, videos on a place like YouTube looking for the next ministry or the next group to follow or the next teacher to sit under. You know, it's fine to read things. It's fine to watch videos. I watch a lot of spiritual videos. But I watch things that will further educate me about religion or certain religions or things that will edify me, things that will build me up, resonate with what I already know, or maybe go that little step further where you say, oh, wow, I never really thought of it that way before. Hey, that's that's really cool. You know, there's a difference between doing that and looking for somebody to be your leader, your teacher, your guru, your group, your church. You know, stay away from all of that. It's fine to meet like-minded others. It's fine to find, a, you know, groups on the internet to talk about your research, to talk about your beliefs, to talk about, you know, your journey, but you never want anybody to tell you what your journey should be. You never want to bring yourself back to square one. So as I said yesterday uh, in the or Monday in the show, once you get out of one group, don't look for another group to join to take its place. That group mentality can be very uh, addictive. Uh, we all like friendship and fellowship and all that sort of thing. But you don't want it to come at a price where you're once again being lorded over by somebody and uh, falling into that trap again. So these are just some things that you can do, some of the major ones that really helped me and helped others and that I helped others with as a spiritual counselor. You know, when I've come across people that are going through that inner hell of religious post-traumatic stress disorder, and, uh, you know, I've told them, hey, here's what I've done. Here's some of the things that I found out, you know, giving them... Um, you know, the information to do their research and to understand things. And it was really, uh, these things were really helpful to me and those that I share them with. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to come up with these steps. Uh, many others have uh, before me, but they're tried and they're true and they're very helpful. And as you get out there and research and you talk to other people, you'll find other methods. You'll find other ways that are very appealing to you that help you get through or get over or even avoid, you know, the post-traumatic stress. And then you'll be able to pass that information on to others if you uh, meet someone who was once in the same boat that you were. But this is definitely a very good launching point uh, to get you to a place of feeling much better 
getting beyond all of the uh, terrible uh, things that uh, one might go through and experience in religious post-traumatic stress. And I hope they're helpful. And if anyone out there uh, needs somebody to bounce some ideas off of, uh, somebody to talk to, my email will be in the podcast description. Feel free to drop me a line. I will certainly uh, do what I can to help. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those spiritual counselors that will also talk to people free of charge if they're under, you know, financial uh, stress, you know, uh, you know, certain amount of sessions to, you know, help someone get beyond all of that stress and anxiety. So I'm here as well if, uh, you know, a last ditch resort <laughs> if anybody uh, were to need it. But anyhow, folks, I thank you for listening to the show today. I really hope uh, this was helpful. And I think on Friday, we're going to be talking about, are you afraid of the wrath of God? You know, that's one of the big uh, things that puts a lot of fear in us, is this wrathful God. But is this something that is true, that we should be afraid of? Or has this idea of the angry, wrathful God been greatly misinterpreted, uh, especially here in the West? So that's going to be uh, an interesting subject that in and of itself could be very helpful to someone going through religious post-traumatic stress disorder uh, or getting ready to leave a particular religion, fearing the wrath of God. You know, understanding some things about this and putting it in its perspective can be very helpful. So thank you again for listening. I appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and I'll talk to you next time here on the Mind's Eye Podcast.